Hi, I'm Melinda, and this is the See Here Love Summer 2020 podcast series. In a year filled with protest, a pandemic, economic uncertainty, conflict and tension, we need to hear stories of hope, faith, resilience, and transformative change more than ever. So let's listen to brave people share their courageous stories now. Today, my conversation is with Anjuli Pascal. She's the founder of the Moms We Love Club, a writer for Dayspring and Courage, a community of women to tell their stories. And she's the author of a new book called Stay, Discovering Grace, Freedom, and Wholeness Where You Never Imagined Looking. We have a great conversation about what it means to stay, even though it's easier to run away from our challenges, anxieties, fears, and guilt. And Julie shares that staying with those heartaches equals greater intimacy with Jesus. This is a great conversation about comfort, staying, and knowing yourself and Jesus more. You're going to love this conversation. You are seen, you are heard, you are loved by God. You're not alone, you're fully known, you are loved by God. And Julie Pascal, so good to have you here on See Here Love, coming in from Southern California. That's right, Melinda. Thank you so much for having me. It is so wonderful to be here. Yeah, thank you for spending some time uh, with me today. I-, I have to say this, I've introduced you, but... COVID-19 plus five children. How are you doing? <laughs> well, I'll say every time I walk past my bedroom, I feel like crawling in bed and taking a nap. <laughs> uh, it is tough. Uh, my kids, you know, the oldest is 13, the youngest is two. And so there's a lot of different needs. Um, and we're making it. But it definitely was an adjustment um, physically, emotionally, spiritually on every level. Um, It was change. And so we're kind of, we've acclimated to this rhythm of lockdown. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the new transition is how do we acclimate as things start to open up. So it's a challenge. I'll just say that. And like every other mom on the planet is like, yes. You know, I think you just have to acknowledge it and be like, it's hard. And the emotions are every day. You can be angry, grieving, sad, happy, depressed. You know, I mean, it's just like, it's All tough. It. hard, really hard. It's so hard. And I think some, like one word that helps me get through it is it's not hard because I'm failing. It's hard because I'm doing something I've never done before. Yes. Yes. And that gives me, that gives me like the, I don't know, permission to like have some grace and be like, oh yeah, because I've never done this. That's really good. I think that that is a good reminder to have a little bit of more kindness towards yourself because you've never experienced this before, right? Like if we did it, we'd be like, oh yeah, we've done this. Here are the steps to do it because last time this is what we did or we didn't do it. Now here's the manual, but like there's no manual in a pandemic. No, 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 not at all. I think think there's some different rules about it, right? Right, right. Exactly. What do you think you're learning about yourself through this? Oh my goodness. I kind of feel like every week I've learned something new about myself, but what I'm processing right now as here in San Diego, things are starting to open up. And so it's how to, what do I not want to go back to? Oh, what do I not want to go back? What, what was I doing before that was kind of killing my soul, but I didn't know it because I was 
like that's what everyone does. You just go, 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 go. And I think there's a part of me that's like, I, I don't want to go back to that. And how do I make steps to not do that? Ooh, that's really good because then you would, it, it's almost like this, this moment where you would need to sit down and kind of go, what are the things I don't want to go back to? Like a chaotic life, frenzied, unhealthy, oh, wait a second, I've, I've had pause and reflection and now I need to kind of make steps to say, don't want to do that. Right, and I, and I think it, it, it hinges on this idea of like, wow, I'm free. Like no one is telling me I have to do every single sport. N nobody. Exactly. It's like, oh, I think that's the, a question I've been thinking of. Like, what, what does a free person do? They do whatever, they do what they want. And there's no one saying that I have to be or do all those things. So good. I was saying that. I was like, how can I have more time? I mean, obviously we have the same amount of time in a day that we did pre-pandemic, during, and post. But I realized that in the evenings, it was events, going out, yes. fundraisers every night. And, and I was going out to them. I mean, as an extrovert, I was like, oh, I got to go. A little bit of FOMO. Go, go out, go out, go out. Three, four night times even a week sometimes. Now I don't. I'm like all of these evenings or how I kind of do my day where sometimes I could work late and then have a break in the day. I have time to do all these things. And it's really strange, but really been liberating is what you're saying, Anjuli. Right. You, I think with the busyness of life, sometimes we've lost sight of what really brings us joy. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Um, one of the things that I love that you do, you're the founder of the Moms We Love Club. It's, you need to just talk about that because how did that happen? And it's, it's really a beautiful, a beautiful club, if, if, if you will. Thank you. The Monster Love Club is really birthed from like the deepest part of my soul. It's a social media campaign where we care for women and moms, especially who are enduring long-term hardship. And that can mean they have a child who's sick a husband who's passed away or she herself is enduring chronic suffering. And so what we do as a, a feed, we're on Instagram and social media, one day a month, we feature a mom and we invite everyone who's a part of that feed, a part of that community to repost her picture. And the goal is to bring her awareness, prayer, and financial support. And these are moms who are in it this kind of suffering probably the rest of their lives so it's not a short-term thing it's hey they've already been in it for 10 years wow. and they probably will be um for the rest of their lives and these are the moms that kind of get forgotten you know once a trauma or tragedy hits i find that there's a great amount of rallying and support but then over time people kind of their lives go on you know, and there, that mom, what she's facing, it's not getting any better. It's just consistent suffering. And so we use this platform to really support her and love her and remind her that she's seen and loved. That's like us. I mean, that's why I say there's so much alignment yeah. in the things. I'm like seen, heard, and loved, right? Because when yes. I was launching this show, I was talking to women across Canada. I, you know, I speak at different women's conferences. And it kept resonating. People were like, I don't feel seen. I feel invisible. I'm not heard. It's like my voice doesn't matter. My story doesn't matter. My experience doesn't seem to matter. So I don't have a platform. And I feel desperately alone and not loved and not valued. Yeah. 
And so it, it kind of this and Julie kind of was birthed out of that hearing from women saying, I, I'm desperately looking to, to be reminded I'm seen, heard, and loved. And I think yes. what you're saying is exactly that. Like I went on your, the Instagram and saw the, in, or on your website and read the stories and it was like, wow. So it's so practical. It's so beautiful. So, and so easy, right? It's just all you have to do is repost a picture. Yeah, That's it. So beautiful. Well done. So good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, one of the things too, so you're the founder of the Moms We Love Club, you're a writer for Dayspring, you're a wife, you're a mom, and then you write this book that is just, first of all, the cover is stunning, um, but it's really interesting because it kind of something resonated with me that I was like, oh, because it's called Stay, and it's this whole idea that it's, for many of us, it's easier to run away from our problems, issues anxieties and things but you're saying you need to stay with those heartaches because it's greater intimacy with Jesus but I need to say this Anjali when I see the word stay I have this weird physical reaction like mm. oh because I didn't like that word it meant you know sort of it, that's hard it's commitment it's confining it's control mm. it's not sounds like freedom it sounds like restrictive I'm just saying when I when funny right the word so maybe you can kind of redeem the word for me. And I have been going there, but it's been fascinating when I was sort of reading through it. I'm like, oh, so talk to me about that because I think it sounds, sure. it seems so counterintuitive to stay in the hardships versus we immediately want to run away uh, yeah. from the hardships, right? Yeah, I'm a big time runner. So <laughs> not not physically running, not just to clarify. No, right. exactly. but emotionally I run and avoid and hide. Um, and what I think would, might help redeem that word if it's hard for you or other people, imagine a person in your life who has stayed with you when you thought they probably should have run away. Mm -hmm. So someone who said, Melinda, I see, right, I see you, I hear you. And they just pulled out that chair at that table and said, sit down. Do you, can you think of someone right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, we're, I feel like we're lucky enough to, to imagine that person or have that person in our life. And I think that is the greatest gift, isn't it? When you've had that person who said, hey, you and your heart, just sit down. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to be perfect. Like I just, just you, as you are, just sit down. And I think that's this idea that I want to cultivate through this book is, hey, not only um, does God do that for us, he pulls out a seat at the table of our soul and says, hey, sit down. I just want to be with you. But then we are actually able to do that for other people. Mm -hmm. We get to be people who invite other people to stay. And it's through that staying, right? When you've had anxiety or fear or shame or guilt, most of the time we are objecting because we don't like the feeling. But the feeling actually is the invitation. The feeling is what takes us to the deeper belief that's there. But we usually don't even get to the real issue because we're so quick to exit. And so I want to invite women like, hey, what actually anxiety can be a gift. Your guilt, it actually can be a gift. And those feelings become the place where God meets us. Angelie or Melinda, like, what are you anxious about? What do you feel to I know you're lonely. And so this place of staying becomes such a deep, deep well of 
being with Jesus. Hey, it's Chris, friend of See, Here Love with Melinda. Sorry to interrupt this conversation, but I just had to let you know that the only way that See, Here Love gets to produce fun and authentic conversations like this one is through your financial donations. So go to seeherelove.com and click on the big donate button. Thanks for your support. Let's get back to the show. What are the things when we say stay, what does that mean practically when you're like, you know, stay and not run away? So what, let's, let's sort of like unpack that a bit. So when we run away, what do we do when we run away from our anxiety, our guilt, our fear, all of those things? Sure. And I think, I mean, my, I might even ask you, kind of ask you that. So what we are aware, what we're not always aware of are, are our strategies, mm. right? So when you encounter, if you think of something right now, that you're avoiding or running away from. And it can be small things. It can be literally, I don't want to return that person's text message. You know, you get that ding on your phone and it's like, oh, like that just like hugged yeah. me. And so your strategy is, I'm not, I'm not going to return it. I'm not going to ignore it. And so that's the moment where I would ask you, like, and anyone listening or watching, like, what, it, what do you do to run away? So that's, that's one for me. If I get um, a text message that kind of bugs me, it's like, oh, I'm going to just avoid it, ignore it, do the dishes, get lunch going, and I'll deal with it later tonight. Mm-hmm. And what I want to say is like, okay, this resistance to doing something that you don't want to do, I want, I want you to start paying attention to it because resistance is a gift. It tells you, it's that, that light, that warning light on the dashboard of your soul that says, you're running away. What don't you want to see? What don't you want to deal with? And then it turns into like, in a very practical sense, like what you're asking, Linda, is, God, that text message really bothered me. And it triggered something in me that I don't even know, I didn't even know was there. Or this person in particular, I'm still actually mad at them for something they did five years ago. And I'm just holding on to that resentment for dear life. And so there's smaller things like a text message. There's bigger things like trauma where we're just, we're not going to look at it. We're so focused to not look at it. And yet the triggers are always there. So um, maybe Melinda, can you think of some ways where you have strategies for avoiding or running away? Hmm. Are you saying which, what, how do I run away or how am I not? Yeah. How would you, what are you, what would you do to not deal with some of your emotions? How would you deal with them instead of staying? That's good. Um, yeah, I would definitely think about the text message or kinds of emails or people that reach out they just don't want to deal with. And part of that maybe is I, you know, I don't like confrontation. There's that little bit of people pleasing in. So if I respond in the way I really want to, it would hurt that person or yeah. it would it would challenge that person. That's actually good. Or I, yeah, I go out for a coffee, <laughs> go for a drive and physically get away from it. So yeah, that's yeah. the strategy in which we kind of run away from things or not deal with it. Like I've looked at journals I've had since I was 13 and still dealing with some cyclical things uh, based on, I just, you know, I, I don't like conflict. So yeah. don't go, go there. It's good. Yeah. What's well, that? I think even that, right? So then what it takes us to is like when you can move through the, uh, that feeling of like, oh, I don't want to hurt that person. It takes, us, takes you really to that deep belief of, I feel responsible for that person's emotions. 
or whatever that is, whatever that deep belief is for you or for whoever's listening or watching, it's what is that deep belief? And that is what God is after. Mm-hmm. God is after, after, after that thing that we hold on to that we think we have power over or security in. And so it's, oh, oh God, there I go again. I feel yeah. like I have to protect this person. But God, you are the protector. God, you are the one who carries them. And so that, right, that becomes this moment of intersection of your real heart, your real pain, your real desires with the heart of God. And there's that intersection of true intimacy in the same way it would be with a friend who meets you right where you are. Yeah, that's good. Obviously, when you sort of put pen to paper and you share this, Angelie, there must be some personal backstory to what kind of like forms out of a book. So what's sort of your story that led you to say, I need to write this? Yeah. Maybe not just for others, but but in in the journey and messiness of my life. Because I mean, I love how honest you are in even in in your bio where you're frequently late, wrestles with guilt, and loses things. Like you're you seem to be a woman that's really sort of open and honest about the mess of things. So yeah. my assumption is is that this book was sort of written out of out of that sort of messy, honest yeah. place. Totally. So probably when I was in my mid twenties, I was working at a church. I was in seminary. I was, you know, leading all kinds of missions trips, doing, doing all the things, you know? And yet I realized I was like totally miserable. I was an absolute mess and I had the opportunity and I was a runner. So extrovert runner, people fill my calendar kind of person. Um, and I had the opportunity to go on a three week isolated retreat. And what I did was I went to this island off the coast of Washington all by myself. And it was really this moment of absolute staying. Like I just Hmm. for 21 days was alone and I had to face every demon in my closet, you know? And from that, experience which radically changed me um was i don't want to i don't want to run like i want to be where jesus is and jesus is with me where i really am in my mess imperfection failing shortcomings idol breaking self and so i think that really propelled me to write and encourage other women wow i love that uh i i love this but also within the book, it's sort of taking what we know about God. So like, you know, how we're running away, but we need to stay in this intimacy with Jesus. But a lot of times we know it, it's like head, but it's not really heart knowledge, right? And, and I, I think growing up for me, uh, in a bit of a legalistic um, sort of church experience, and everything was really about more head knowledge, like know it. But it took me to my 20s where I kind of got the heart of it. Like I, it, yeah. it really started resonating and that's what really changed my life. That's where the trajectory like, changed. Like I would say I was a Christian all my life, but it was, I knew it. And I was doing all the motions and, you know, doing all the right things and then didn't for many years, but then got it in my twenties. How do you, there are a lot of people that struggle with that in Julie, the, I know it in my head, but I haven't, I don't know it in my heart. I don't really, yeah. it. and it's not transforming me to live out this life of following Jesus. What would you say to those people that are really struggling with that? I would say for women who want to know the love of God in their hearts, they have to have the courage to go into their hearts. 
I would say it's a scary thing to unpack what's really going on in your heart. That's not just a light switch on and off kind of thing. It's a journey. It's a journey in there. What, what motivates you? What drives you? Why do you do what you do? How did your church impact you? How did your parents impact you? How did your siblings impact you? And uncovering and knowing your story is the way into experiencing God in your heart. And if you don't want to go into your heart, you're actually, you'll never know the love of God in your heart. That's just not possible. And so it has to be a, a double knowledge, knowing in your heart and God knowing you in your heart. Those work together. Hmm. So as far as though that, I mean, because the struggle is people are like, but I try it, I try it, I try it. I'm praying that I'll get it and it will transform. And I, I guess it's not really, you know, there's not like five ways to do it. So is it, I guess it's just like, is it, we're praying, we're asking people to kind of be with us. I think it's just really, what's it practical? Because I, I know a lot of my girlfriends and guy friends that really struggle with it. And yeah. they just like, what, what are the steps now to make it a really real relationship with Jesus? Because I'm not mm-hmm. feeling him. The relationship isn't seem like giving. It's not, you know, what would you say? Oh, my goodness. I, I just love hey. this question hey. so much. <laughs> I love it because, I, like you said, it's not a formula, right? It's not, it's not like five I mean, steps. Because you're a human. You're a person. It's the same way in a marriage. You can't be like, if you do these five steps then your marriage is going to be amazing. It's a relationship. And so to a friend that you're describing, I would say, stay. I would say, stay and open your heart, even in the stone cold silence of prayer, open it. Because the, the, the transition, I think what God does in those places is we so think we are in control of our spiritual life. We think we're in the driver's seat. We think we, if we do these things, then God will do this. And what the radical changes is, is actually you are not in control of your spiritual journey. God is in control. And he is doing something in that silence to change your heart, to change your understanding of who God is, to change your character. And so I would say, yeah, the silence, the absence of his feeling, feeling his presence, God is in the undercurrent of that. And you have to stay with that because then, then becomes, okay, what happens in your soul when God doesn't, you know, show up? Right. What is happening there? Is it, oh God, you're, is it angry? God, I did all these things and you didn't show up. Like, what is, what is God doing when he doesn't reveal his presence in um, a tangible way to you? Because he's doing something in your soul. Yeah. You know, one of the things in, in your book and it's, it's interesting is, sort of the danger of comfort, right? And which is part of the stay. I want to talk about that because there's something about the comfort of, you know, I mean, we use comfort because we want to be, you know, comfortable, especially now with, with COVID, it's the comfort of home and all that. But what you're saying is that we have to be careful about being too comfortable, which is part of, which is part of like not dealing with all the issues that we have because we're comfortable in it. It's like, oh, we don't need to deal with that. We don't need to work on some of the, the character things that God is sort of poking at us. You know what I'm saying? Totally. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I would say probably two things. It will work for a while. Avoiding your real heart will work for a time, but 
because God loves us, he is resilient and constantly pursuing your heart. So those places where he knows you are stuck, he's going to go after those places. And it's just a matter of time before the comfort um, wears off. Mm-hmm. Or you'll just have to drink more, or you'll just have to shop more. Or you'll have to fill up your calendar more to get the same result as it once gave you. Um, the other thing I would say um, is, well, one, I love comfort, so I get it, um, is that if you want to experience love, it will always be through vulnerability. So it always requires you cracking open your heart and having the courage to go in there if what you want to experience is love. Now, if you're not, to the degree you'll go down into your heart is to the degree you'll experience love. So if you're only going to go that far down, you're only going to be able to experience love to that degree, if that makes sense. So I would say, and not only receive it, but also give it. And I think this is one thing I, I try and encourage women to do is, okay, maybe don't deal with your, your heart or your pain for you but do it for your children and do it for your, your friendships and your spouse. Because if you're not able to go into your heart, if you're not able to stay in your heart, you are not able to stay with other people in their hearts. So deal with your stuff so that your kids have the freedom to have a, a, a deeper love and relationship with you. Mm, that's good. And Julie, sort of your takeaway from all of this, day intimacy with Jesus what what's sort of your takeaway for those that are like I'm resonating with you I'm hearing what you're saying what would you say to them I would say there's an aspect to um, this spiritual discipline I would call it a staying that doesn't require going to a cabin for three weeks or 21 days or intensive therapy it might for some require therapy but it's also it's also something that's just as easy as brushing your teeth or tying your shoes or washing your hands. It's, it's this, um, God, you're here. You're here with me when I wash the dishes and you know, the complexities of my heart and you know how angry I am. God, I just want to be open to you. I want to stay with you. And so there's an easiness to the staying, And there's also, um, it also will, will require a level of work. But both is true in the Christian life. It's easy and hard. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, Angelique, because I love you sort of redeemed stay. Oh, good, Melinda. I'm glad I could do that. and I go, but I think the, the stay part is really beautiful and so much for us to learn from. So thank you so, so much for your time. With us. Oh, thanks for having me. What a gift to be here. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. I sure did. And for more information about our guests and to read our blogs and resources and to watch our past episodes and to even donate to us, go to seeherlove.com. See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherlove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.